friends. Welcome back. The Franco Files are officially back on track. They're open again. I've I'm pulled out. Boy, howdy. Am I I'm pulling out the dossier, and here we go. This is a big dossier. It's so thick. Heat episode. There's a lot of good shit here, so I'm really excited to talk about a lot of this today. Yeah, we got some fun ones. Some fun ones today. It's nice to be back in the in the in the Franco land. I'm glad we took the break because it was nice once I started watching these again. Because it felt like the old way. The spell was the spell was working again. Yes, let that be a reminder to all our listeners taking us on this journey. Like any pleasurable thing in this world, it's good to take a break sometimes. It's good to separate the time by agreeing to watch The Haunting of Hill House five years later with your partner and sit through 10 hours of that and be like, well, I'm ready for some Franco now, that's for sure. (laughs) Or you can, uh, alternately, you can take acid with your partner and watch uh, Toy Story 2, exactly half of Fantasia, uh, stopping exactly where you would expect, and then... uh, a Wisconsin travelogue video, and then the remake of The Parent Trap. That actually works great to help reset my brain for Franco. I like that. It's pretty weird. Well, we know all of our listeners would love to hear about our personal experiences with drugs. I know that's what you are dying to hear, but we have, we got business to attend to today. Last time we talked to you, we ended on a movie called Linda. So today we're picking back up with a, a movie that Jess made with Lutz International Films. It was a very picking sh- back up is right. We're picking up. We're picking these girls up. That's right. Um, so yeah, Lutz International Films made, I think, just this one with Jess. But you want to tell us some uh, alternate titles here? Yes, you're right. This is a Lutz International original. Yes, the film is called Pickup Girls from 1981. Let's get these titles out here. Let's, this is why we got the the dossier. Right. All right. Here we go. Original theatrical title: The Girl with the See-Through Panties. Uh, the ARG theatrical title: Ecstasis. Oh, it's kind of a cool name. That's a cool name. Not for this movie, but that would be a cool name for a movie. For any, yeah, for a movie, yeah. <laughs> Uh, and then the girls in transparent panties, not mm-hmm. like uh, not the most creative for this one, but there's a great Spanish uh, tagline that was on the poster that says, all your senses exploded in an orgy of passion. Yeah, that's it. I, don't, yeah. I would say that your senses explode. I don't know if I get an orgy of passion from this movie, but no, this one's a little more somber than an orgy would be, I would hope. <laughs> Yeah, the UK poster says fast and furious erotic action in the twilight world of vice. <laughs> that doesn't really seem to like, you know, fit this movie, but that's yeah, okay. You gotta get, it, get it in the theaters. Um, but we're yeah. uh, we're back in the world that is usually Al Pereira, but we're in the uh, alternate universe with Al Crosby. So we're back in a little bit of a film noir kind of world. Um, and uh, kind of like a little bit Lisa Brown Lace. 
one of our favorites that we talk about a lot. Um, this yeah. is a this is a in the the realm of the you know sleazy dark version of Al Pereira, Al Crosby, and yeah, it's a I think kind of it gets it gets pretty close to being real goddamn good. I think with this one, um, we don't have to go through all the plot stuff because it's like usual with the Al Pereira, where he, you know he's a PI for hire gets hired by someone gets in some trouble has some sex and yeah there's a similar to a couple we've talked about like lisa brownlees there is a, a a really interesting use of a popular trope at the time with a shock surprise twist ending but yet again franco resists using it in the same way most people did and it's kind of a somber thoughtful lovely use of this of this uh twist yeah it's really it's really nice like love wins a little bit i guess yeah it's definitely him <laughs> saying how did you feel about the ending of lace of brawn lace hmm well let me see what i can do here <laughs> let me see yeah. if i i might just go back to that yeah. and give it a little give it a new spin i it mean great acting everyone's really awesome good. to have that in a glass case too like Oh, yeah. I just love the idea that that's where it's been. <laughs> it's so good. Yeah, we won't spoil that stuff because it's truly really fun uh, to watch this one unfold. Um, there's a, there's also an insane, like, slow motion party scene, which slow-mo like that is super rare in the world of Jess. Um, but it's it, it's coupled with this insane, like, dissonant music on the soundtrack that really will lock you into the Franco fever. Yeah, I liked that scene a lot. It was... Oh, cool. It went for quite a while, but after a while, it was just like, I've surrendered. You've beaten yeah. me down, Jess. <laughs> it's that it's that fucking uh, opium den haze again with that scene. As long as it goes, you're just like, well, I either got to get out of here, or just settle in. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, it's 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 a good movie. I think like it's it's definitely his uh, his crime movies, I think, are are getting a little more honed at this point. Yeah. And I think he's 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 really edging towards some real fireworks. Someone gets fucked to death, which is pretty great. <laughs> pretty great. Anytime uh -huh. that happens in a movie, I'm always grateful. Uh -huh. But yeah, it's, this movie's, this movie's movie. cool. Kind of good vibes. It really is, despite it's what you think it's gonna do in Lisa Brownlee's territory. It's pretty good vibes. Yeah, it's good vibes. It's some bad characters doing some bad things, oh, yeah. oh, but, you know, but but in, but it, but all together good vibes. So less, you know, I would say the good vibes really kick up in this next one, the one we can't see. Oh yeah, well yeah, very good vibes there because we have no <laughs> idea what the fuck is going on there. Right? There's a there's a film Lola 2000. Oh no, there's there's one before that. Yeah, Ad, well there's Adal Adalencia, but we know nothing about that. Yeah, well we got to mention it. We okay. Yeah, we just know, know nothing this, about what it is. This movie exists. Um so yeah. that was just full ass missing. And then yeah, next I am really sad I can't find this movie. For one well, You want to know, here's a funny thing you could do, Will. You could just uh Oh, I'm gonna together yourself <laughs> because this is, a, this is a composite movie just combined of stuff from uh 
cocktail special and LA phone two, yeah, two of the worst I've encountered thus far. So well, I will say my uh, my curiosity for Lola two thousand is at an old, you know, at an almost non-existent curiosity. So. Well, the thing that makes me so curious is both of those are, you know, I mean, you know, I like cocktail special more than I should, but those yeah, are only you, you, you said it too, more That's than right. you should, <laughs> more than I should. And then, but those two movies are mixed with one of my favorite porn directors, Alain Payat, a uh, French dude, one of his movies, Prostitu- uh, Prostitution Clandestine, which is pretty good, cool little movie, but Fury's Sexuales is definitely top tier uh sad porno films for me and i am very curious how they mixed all that shit together because that is going to be an an incredibly dark time at the movies if you use anything from fury sexuals well thankfully you've seen the entire movie so you just have to piece it together in your mind yeah i've seen all four of them but i want to know what someone did to put these together all right moving on We have another film for 1981. This is going to be a very uh, prolific time for Jess. Yeah, Each, out of yeah, he's he's really cooking like 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 an octopus in the kitchen. <laughs> it really is true. Yeah. yeah, by the time we get to what is it? Yeah, 1982, which we'll get to today. He made 12 fucking movies. <laughs> impressive, quite impressive. So this first one. Uh, this one's made for a company called, well, it's Triton and CG Films. I think this is one of the last time. I think it's also a one-off because, mm-hmm. as we know, he gets with a very popular company after this. But uh, before we get to the good stuff, we have Lake of the Virgins. <laughs> uh, that... I didn't get to see with subtitles, so I don't know what was being said, but you'd think it's kind of like a kid's movie again. So you think you're in 15 year old captain territory, which you are on some level, but uh, this one's a uh, much closer to a jazz movie in some ways than that one is. Um, yeah, and it's, yeah. it's one of my favorite things. Cause it's in the credits. It says it, it's based on Robert Louis Stevenson's the Island, which doesn't exist. <laughs> there is no book by Robert Louis Stevenson called The Island. Well, it could also be called The Isle of Voices. Yes. So they think they think that's what it is. But I love that in the credits in English. Called, no, yeah, it's called The yeah. Island. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, so it's about a uh, grandfather and his grandson live on this wild island. And uh, there are some ladies that come around led by uh, Katya Beinart. Um, being amazing as always. Happy to see her back. Yep, she's great. Um, it's one like of our a, favorites. Yeah. Oh, she's so good. Um, it's like a group of sirens, sort of, essentially, um, that are you know coming around and seducing this young boy, and uh, they get to a point where uh, they take him one day to a cave where he meets this witch who informs them that. Uh, these women are all descendants of a woman who was raped by pirates years back. And basically the witch is like, you now have to have sex with these women to keep the lineage going. And uh, yeah. And it's pretty, it's not, uh, it's not very good. Um, There's some cool shit. It's a little more uh, 
fantastical than usual with Jess. He doesn't fully commit though, so it kind of, it kind of sucks because you just get like moments of almost fantastical, but then it doesn't really go anywhere. It makes it worse, honestly, because it's like just oh, yeah, it's so yeah. You think it's about to go the fuck off because there's like yeah. those weird lighting and like the witch shit, but then it doesn't go anywhere. <laughs> so yes. It's kind of frustrating. So yeah, this this movie's not great, but I would be curious someday if someone ever released it. I'd definitely be interested to give it a proper watch with those subtitles. It's fine. I mean, I will be happy to see this remastered one day just to. Yeah, it's not it's not terrible. It's not. But it's certainly uh, not particularly engaging or exciting. You don't get a lot of the the uh, dopamine, uh, you know, injections going off that you normally get. Yeah. The only way we could find it was a horribly bad and faded VHS rip that of a Spanish VHS tape that has a great cover which does not mimic the movie at all but does look like some sort of like 80s teen sex comedy (laughs) this is where we just since it's been a while we'd like to remind you that sometimes you hit a couple of skids in the road what do you expect for making x number of movies a year yep so you just you know you never get dissuaded with franco because you're like all right that just means i'm one away from him really making it happen such is the case here again in 1981 macumba sexual yep can i do a little golden films before we dive into it yeah do a little golden films so this is where jess meets uh i forget where they met um but he met this couple who had a film company called Golden Films International. Um, and Luis Berlanga, who's a filmmaker that mentored Jess that he worked with a lot, he uh, he says that basically, or him and Jess both said that basically it was a, just a husband and a wife team. The husband signed the checks, wife did a lot of work and loved Jess's stuff. So it was like, let's give it a shot. Let's make a couple films together. Um, what's real interesting is the Luis Berlanga quote that we read way back at the beginning on one of the Patreon ones about telling Jess all you needed was a good camera and freedom to make your movies. Jess has now finally gotten to meeting the people who would give him exactly that. Uh, and according to Jess, before we climb into this, Jess says that in this period, because he made the next couple films we're going to talk about so quickly for them they were like wow this is amazing make more and then the tax laws changed in spain and so according to jess they couldn't put them out as fast and still not have to pay more taxes on things and so according to him there should be 14 films from this quick period but nine of them are missing we'll get into those nine on the patreon but the only one I want to call out, Jess describes as a remake of Shining Sex about the AIDS crisis. God damn, someone find that movie, please. Please. Yeah, I wouldn't so, mind. I wouldn't mind seeing that one. That's crazy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that does sound pretty crazy. That's crazy. But yeah, so let's uh let's talk about one of the greatest fucking movies ever made, Macumba Sexual. Well, thankfully, we're in the territory of shining sex here. We're in that hazy dream world, nightmare world yep. of erotic horror. Yeah, this is 
to me, this feels the most like an incomplete extension of Lorna the Exorcist. Like, I think that one, Doriana Gray and Shining Sex, they really all, uh, they really all hang out in the same universe. Yeah, I would imagine in the Jess multiverse that you know Lorna and the unfortunately named Princess Abongo are. You know, we'll stick to Tara. That's why her name is Tara Bongo. So you can just say Tara instead. We'll just say Tara. This is uh, one of the, this may be the only uh, problem this movie has is the princess's name, Abongo. Yeah. But, you know, if we overlook that and realize it's Spain in 1981, I think we can all just take a nice heap of reality and just say okay well i'm not gonna let that if you can't watch this movie and and not think about that i don't i don't know what you're listening to this show for yeah you're definitely not for you who gives a shit what their names are yeah most franco movies the names of the characters do not matter in the least when you're about to log your thoughts on letterboxd just take a take a beat (laughs) take a beat and strap in from a kumba sexual which is a uh, film about a couple uh lena and robert forster and tony marins again um and they are on a vacation uh at a suspiciously entirely eerily empty uh resort and town um yeah it it kind of like <laughs> feels like a how you're a kid you used to watch horror movies or like you know like when i was a kid i would watch horror like something like um like psycho and it would feel like every frame even before she got to the bates motel was like suffused with an aura of like dread like i just you never know what was going to happen same when i watched the birds like those were very early films i saw and it just felt like danger was constantly there like everywhere you went felt haunted and ghostly um obviously i think that's just being a a child and not really like getting where it's going to go but it was still a magical feeling and i would say the closest that kind of at least tries to formally capture that is is maybe i'm overpraising it but it seems like it's a a very effective part of the way that this movie begins Uh, we we do not want to beat the to death the details of this movie but since this happens within the first 15 minutes along with an crazy nightmare scene you know like this movie it that's where it begins in that sort of milieu of like you you almost wonder like is like almost every area of this movie completely haunted by this spectral demonic presence Mm -hmm. And it's, um, we'll talk about her a bit more, but uh, everyone in the movie is amazing. But this is the second time Jess and Lena worked with Ajita Wilson. um, And she plays Princess Tara in this movie. um, And is truly, it, it happens a lot with Jess, as we know, but sometimes the most overused terms in talk about movies are correct and force of nature is truly apt here. Um, similar to Lorna, I think we're talking about, Ajita Wilson commands, <laughs> demands 
your your attention and her control of you. Every yeah, time you see her on screen, she leads uh, you around like a naked slave dog. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, she does. Um, but part of part of the magic of this, because yeah, like you said, we don't want to get too far into the details here because if you haven't seen it, this is a really special film to discover. Um, so I guess more kind of want to talk about what it achieves uh, without spoiling the details. But one of the things that's so interesting with this film is Jess masterfully lets you find out at the same times that the characters do that, unlike some of his movies and a lot of horror movies, it's not that there's a reality and a dream world or an alternate universe. It is all happening at the same time, all the time, and can hop back and forth at will with the power of someone like Princess Tara. Because we're in this kind of territory talking about, you know, the dangers of extreme pleasure. <laughs> uh, but the, the that entire sequence where Lena realizes she cannot separate these two and that she's probably under the control of this woman is really is really uh it's really chilly when you realize what's happening but also because this movie so successfully gets across its sexual heat and the lure of princess tara and the lure of this world that she is a part of um it creates that great tension where you feel cold and unsettled but you are also sweaty and you know kind of turned on even if you don't want to be yeah um, no i mean this is just quite simply put this is like just messing with the dracula formula again if you really want your way into this movie to just kind of get you in without because i think i i really don't want to explain anything else about this movie this yeah. is uh, a movie that exists between dream realms. It's one of those miracles of cinema, in my opinion. Yep. It's it's powerful. It's hilarious. It's drug induced. It's hallucinatory beyond belief. It's it's very much like I said, Lord of the Exorcist. It's a great, even hazier extension of Vampiros Lesbos. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, even those nets reappear. Yep, gotta have the nets. Shooting through the nets, though, it's goddamn people who understand how how effective it can be to just put something in between what you as the audience are meant to be looking at. It's amazing. Yeah. Oh, it's yeah, amazing. absolutely. Um, just a couple more little things to pull people in and a little more Jita. Um, we get Jess's character returning from Virgin Among the Living Dead uh, with his obsession with taxidermy. But also, he's very flamboyantly gay in this role, and it is so much fun. He's having a great time. Mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> uh, and then when you watch this film, all of the things that you see were not props that were made. This is stuff they found there. There's a very important thing that will burn itself into your brain that is a real Senegalese figure that they found at a market. Um and I think just knowing that makes it even hazier in a great way. Um, all of this, all of this was things they just found and figured out there. And it's an incredible use of what you are given to work with. Um, but yeah, Jita, um, if you don't know Ajita Wilson, because uh, we didn't talk about her too much with well, Sina. we we mentioned we mentioned a little bit about the infamous trans actress of this movie who delivers one of her greatest performances along uh, her role in sadomania. 
and uh you know leaves nothing to the imagination of you know their their sexuality and presence so much so that the i mean the, the greatest line which is a little maybe overdoing it but point taken we get it uh she says i'm everything that's forbidden that's shameful a black woman with an undefined sexuality it's amazing yeah it's great you know but it's like oh yeah okay yeah no they really it's 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 interesting because you know at the time of course people didn't talk about it i guess but uh jess and lena very much were always you know always maintain that and franco even said he says quote i don't care whether she's can't use this term anymore a transsexual or not the result is what counts what i am interested in in a film is to see the bodies everybody has secrets that's all very nice but i don't care she had a very beautiful body operated on or not yep that's coming from a genuine place of this this director this filmmaker and his screenwriting partner and muse who as we've said ran with a lot of people and because bad faith interpretations of the modern era sometimes take hold of their work and things that they've done in the movies does not mean that what their characters do is how these two feel so you know obviously jess was not one to want to like virtue signal too much and just loved like he just did it he just did it simple as that's, that that's why it's good because that's it's, it's more punk shit. Sorry. yeah not like yeah Dude, no. this person's dope come be in our movie exactly and maybe we'll overstate one line but then the rest of it is just magnificent yeah then it's shit like the sacred nectar of my sex <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> Oh boy, I'd love to do a little sacred bee, you know, just oh my God. pollinating all day until yep. I'm drunk off pollen. Oh, please. Yeah. Princess yeah. Sarah can invade my dreams and reality anytime she wants. Absolutely. I will lose all, you know, ties to the poles of reality. That would be fine. Yep. Oh, and Jess, even though it's not credited to him in the credits, it's good to highlight here because I think. I agree with Thoreau on this. I think it's some of his finest, if not his finest work. Jess did the entirety of the music himself. And yeah. it's it's astonishing. The music's really good. His understanding of different genres of music and how to blend them is something that I think is really uh, looked over in a crazy way. Because this is incredible composition. Yeah, it shows when he uses the soundtrack right, things really do work out very well, which extends eventually to our next movie where the soundtracks are very different and it's nice when the spanish version of it sounds a little more like the macumba sexual soundtrack yes yes yeah but if you're feeling if you're feeling the tingle in your back of your neck and the spinal cord then you are then you're right. ready for macumba sexual and you know what you better be ready for macumba sexual because as we keep reminding you we're coming to your town probably very yeah. soon in the next year. And you better believe we're going to be running up to that projection booth with our canisters of film and film falling out and we're tripping over it. Yeah. And it's all because it's Macumba sexual. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So honestly, honestly, I do think I maybe would have a disassociative experience uh, that would be challenging in an amazing way 
if we had the opportunity to see Macumba sexual on 35 millimeter, I think I might, it might kill me. <laughs> yeah, that would, thankfully and not thankfully, that may never happen. But it, if it did, that would be wow. Because even in like, you know, I mean, Severance Restoration of this is gorgeous. Uh, and it's amazing to get to see it like this. But yeah, if that was if that was on film, I I might pass out. <laughs> yeah. Well, thankfully, very soon, potentially, we could have uh, both a weed and water sponsor. So if that <laughs> happens, we gotcha. Boy, we gotcha. You'll have fun little gummies, and you'll be able to stay hydrated, which is <laughs> the deal of this movie. So <laughs> look forward to that. Now, here's Man. what and weed will not help you with um well maybe weed a little bit I honestly thank god for drugs because revisiting this i was gonna like i normally do with these stone cold sober in the middle of the day yeah. and i had to stop it because i remember watching this movie growing this is one of the probably the very first jazz movies i ever saw and I was like nope we're gonna approach it. we're gonna approach this with a little aid later tonight um you know this one uh because it it gets talked about the most well okay i guess before we oh wait i was thinking that fucking oasis was next it's on no, we got zombie then night then oasis so the movie i am describing there is coming up late but here is how we get to that movie yeah. through another movie that we both saw i think probably very early in this and this is not necessarily a jess film but it ties in to it. It's the film Zombie Lake, or in plural, Zombies Lake. Which is my favorite. No apostasy or anything, though. Just multiple zombies lake. Yeah, multiple <laughs> zombies lake. Sure. <laughs> yeah. yeah, this is a movie that uh, Jess wrote and was going to direct and bailed right before he was going to because he didn't have enough money. He didn't like the setup mm -hmm. for it. So who do they call in? His French brother, Jean Roland, and Jean's ass shows up and does what he can with Zombies Lake. Now, this doesn't really matter to like go into this one too much. It's it's a it's a step along the way. Yeah. But yeah. honestly, revisiting Zombie Lake was like I love not, this movie. Not as bad as I remember it. It's fun. Not great. There is still oh, some. God, no, it's not great. There it. is some slogs. Liz Perchell, I was reading her thoughts on this movie, and it's kind of a, a great summation and also covers something we've talked about quite a few times. Um, Liz says, a cinematic game of telephone with each person attached to it and printing their own obsessions onto the plot before handing it off to someone else. A vaguely French Nazi zombie story is given to Jess Franco, who pencils in Howard Vernon and a van load of nude basketball players before passing the script on to Jean Roland to add a father and daughter fairy tale element before dumping it on one-time-only director Julian De La Serna to finish. Yes. It's like a third-gen tape dub, the edges between all of these disparate elements blurring together with a smear of puke green grease paint. People always seem to want to lump Jess Franco and Jean Roland together, but this goes to show just how different their sensibilities really are. It's a film that deconstructs and folds in on itself the lusty obsessions of Franco, giving way to the hazy fantastique of Roland and back as fast as a troop of Nazi zombies can shuffle into frame. And that's a good way to look at this movie and also to highlight why people be fooling when they <laughs> say those two are the same. <laughs> yes, well said, Liz. 
maybe yep. it'd be nice to have you on the show eventually and you can just do the talking and we'll yes <laughs> sit back yeah okay well i i'm with that um yeah it's a little bonus along the way if you want to pop in if you're really feeling like i'm getting this guy then there's a lot to pick apart there you'll have more fun with so let's move on to jess movie now this one he wrote and directed this is the cause of why this episode took so long to come out because we needed to watch it and we needed the best possible copy so we we had to do that. So now, now that we have, we can actually make this episode. Yes, another great Severn restoration. Yes, yes, we were waiting. We to deal when it came out. Right, and this is La Noche de los Sexos Abiertos, or the Night of Open Sex, or the Night of Open Sex is <laughs> like the zombies, like like the zombies, like yes, they can never be sure if they want an S there or not. But uh, yeah, this is a uh, boy. What a fucking weird movie! I am obsessed with this film. I'm I, sure you are. I love it more and more every single time I watch it. This is um, if if only another movie didn't exist that we're going to talk about in a little bit. So it absolutely be my favorite. Um, outside of Lisa Brunley's in this run of Al Crosby, not Al Pereira movies. Um, but this is definitely more the two uh, spies with female or with flowered panties. Vibe. Yeah, so this is like a mix of the Crosby PI films, Pereira PI films with two female spies in flowered panties. Um, and it feels, I think, I agree with this. I think that uh, this one makes sense that this is one of the ones that Almodovar loves so much because this feels uh, very much kind of like the lunacy of like a Pepe Lucy Baum or Dark Habits uh, in those early days of Almodovar. You can tell why he likes this because it is insane and sexually aberrant, (laughs) Uh, but mixed with silliness. And that's what some of these Spanish fools loved at the time. Um, I can definitely see him loving this, but I see him really loving an upcoming movie. Absolutely. Uh, this is the second time that Jess has returned to Edgar Allan Poe's The Gold Bug for inspiration. Uh, Always like, dealing with this damn gold bug. Yep. Never knows uh, what a Honeymoon was the last one. Um, we also get a return of my favorite song in the world. We haven't been there for a while, but guess what? Taste, 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 taste of your sperma is Classic. back. And I couldn't be happier. Um. <laughs> sounding better than sounding better than ever. Yeah, better. it's so funny that during his golden films period, all the films are about basically people looking for gold, <laughs> and they're like all like after the gold bug, which I think he clearly just used as like a shorthand to be like, yeah, someone's looking for gold. Yeah, well, it's like it's that classic thing at the time. It helped getting your movies funded. Uh, especially for people who didn't know you yet, if you said, "Oh, well, I've I've got a couple based on classic literature," always worked. <laughs> yeah, he he definitely uses the Poe a bit around this time. So, <laughs> yeah, it's a very faithful adaptation of Grand <laughs> Poe. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He, Jess always known for faithful adaptations of his source material. Yes. And you know what? That's how you fucking do it. Right. Why get- try to adapt something perfectly? Why don't you just use Come it off. as Jump off. Jump Absolutely. Off. This is my, I think, uh, 
one of Jess's most successful attempts at very schizophrenic filmmaking. Um, very schizophrenic um, filmmaking. I think the reason it works is because instead of some of them where we uh, just kind of get to it as the film goes, like Two Female Spies, the way this movie opens if you give yourself to it is really uh it really puts you in a weird headspace because we just alternate between a driving scene and uh not only a driving scene a driving scene that goes up and down the same road yeah within five minutes while we have lena performing and fucking a car before ballard came along <laughs> yeah no it, uh, already came out it's called night of open sex <laughs> yeah 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 there's a little thing there yeah it's uh yeah, it kind of reminds me of the schizophrenic opening of Devil Hunter. That yes. insane cross-cutting where it's like, in Devil Hunter, it's like, you could stop. You you know, you know what? You could yeah. you could probably nip to this just a little bit. In this That's one, it works pretty well, I think. I think it really sets you into what you are about to witness, which is going to constantly, constantly flip on you. Yeah. Uh, I'm so glad we got I got to watch this restored because the last time I'd seen it, it was in a crappy edition. And as we know, that's no good. So this <laughs> you heard it here first. That's no good. <laughs> no good. I'll quit trying to send emails right now. Um I'm trying to multitasking. We're we're oh, businessmen no, now. I'm not multitask while we are doing fine, good. but we're businessmen now. Yeah, but flip your phone over like mine is. It's flipped over. It's flipped over. Right. Well, it's down. Yeah. So yeah. yeah, I think yeah, this is a movie that just constantly like opens your impressions of these characters. It and impressions of morality. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah. This is the one where so you can almost make a leaps of logic in some of Jess's portrayal of the aftermath of rape in some of these movies where they kind of eschew closer to something like Paul Verhoeven's L. This one's a little more curious. Uh, this seems like a little bit more of a punk rock. I'm just going to throw this in your face and show you this abject, you know, amorality and make you like basically reckon with that. Cause I don't think that uh Jess especially if you've played along with us at this point is very much the person that's like, no, I think the way to make a woman fall in love with you is to tie her up and violate her with an apple in her mouth. Peach. Uh, oh, a peach. Yeah. It's a peach. It bites like an apple though. There's like a crunch to it. And it's like, what is in what Spanish weird Spanish fruit is in that mouth. But it is again, very Amadovarian um, with the ones we mentioned uh even even like uh kika especially as well a lot of spanish filmmakers are interested in what happens when you uh force an audience to decide how they feel about something but you do it whiplash and then just keep fucking moving so they have to figure it out um i think it, i don't know i think it i think this whole movie works really really well um it has some of my favorite torture sequences for sure uh i also love that uh Antonio yeah the barbara broadcast scene if the infamous yeah. broadcast scene connected so to speak yeah That's a rough scene i gotta admit i was it's not the fake uh shocks of 99 women this is uh 
someone paid a little extra to get some whiffs of smoke there. That's in a, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Someone shelled out on the Golden Films <laughs> production. Yeah, it's really, uh, it's really, really quite unsettling. You know, like to hang with shit like that, you'll be deeply disturbed and laughing second to second. Which oh, I love. It's, it's delirious comedy. I mean, it's not even so much that dumb goofiness that I hate so much. There's, there's just a deliriously like strange. Uh, I mean, the Indian is one of the funniest things I've ever seen in a jazz movie. One of Jess's real most- comedy coming up. I mean, I consider Jess's greatest comedy, I think will show up in our next episode. But um, like, yeah, it, it's it's pretty good. Like, uh, yeah, as they as they, you know, rush to find this Nazi gold, which, you know, drink every time in these movies, they mention Nazi gold. But uh, yeah, it's pretty funny. You see the house from uh, Perverse Countess again, which we love seeing that strange space always displayed. Yeah, no, I mean, Al Al Crosby's sleezing it up even more. You thought he was bad in Pickup Girls. I think one thing he does stretch in this is that nightclub footage. Oh boy, is he going to stretch the every ounce of worth out of this nightclub footage over the next several want it more i love it every time <laughs> yeah these people clapping to the taste of your sperm is just yeah, uh, while lena fucks the car it's just uh and they're just like bespeckled college kids like <laughs> yeah. the audience that would like probably populate these but it's funny because like clearly that's like who jess could rally to like, come populate so they find a bunch of kids in the club and it's like just I bet they had no idea what they were watching because they're all sitting there like someone directed them to start clapping and like smile. And to periodically yell like when when there's the shitty yeah. dude who are like, you know, when Lena's really going to town uh-huh. and she's just masturbating in front of them very, very directly when one of them is just like, come on, slut. Like, yeah what? okay yeah uh it, yeah if you really love watching lena ride around naked this movie is for you this might be some of her most writhing just love this movie so much also an amazing uh simulated blowjob scene that the she, loudest slurp over dub i've ever the mo- yeah the most slurping and sucking ever but so clearly is just hovering above his pubic line mimicking <laughs> yeah it's just like I love that. I love Jess. I love that he was like, it's fine. I just love that we're in a world with this crew where uh, they have literally made pornography together. Yeah. They have literally made sex films and they have also made films that count as softcore, but have very clearly real or at least close to real uh, blowjobs or cunnilingus in them and then every once in a while they're like just shake your head on their pubic hair and we'll call it a blowjob <laughs> yeah definitely yeah right awesome. I mean, there's definitely or nibble nibble the soft flaccid penis <laughs> oh yeah yeah I love sometimes when it's because it's not even a kiss it's just like touch mouth too yeah it's like how a, like a dog playfully gnaws <laughs> on your arm <laughs> yeah yeah no i mean maybe antonio just couldn't get it up that day maybe he could have used a little blue chew to get him standing tall but well he, uh you know he he gets it up in a movie coming up soon just fine yeah he's well yeah well when you're shooting that much you know it's 
it's hard or it's not hard i guess I should say. <laughs> it's not hard all right Woo-hoo. moving on let's Back go or nazi gold please i didn't get enough in night of open sex could you give me some more nazi gold please john well now we have the last two movies we talked about coming together you have the zombies the the cheap worst looking zombies of your life combined with the search for nazi gold and here we are the most infamous the first i would this could be the first jess film if i'm thinking about it that i ever saw oh yeah most that, people and that's part of the problem this movie actually even though we're going to talk about it uh i'm sure we'll feel a little different but uh this movie's wide availability really set the stage for why people say jess is a hack and sucks because it was one of the only movies of his you could see for so long but yeah our boy's back in bed with euro cine <laughs> yeah, yeah euro cine came calling again and because <laughs> they made so much money on zombies lake they were like dude we're gonna do it come make one yeah, I like how he was like, I don't like the lack of freedom I have on Zombies Lake. Fuck you all. And they're like, okay, well, do you want another project that has also the same amount of free? Okay, sure, I'll do that one then. Yeah, so this is Oasis of the Zombies, a.k.a. Uh, Tomb Abyss of the Living Dead, Tomb of the Living Dead. Those are the two different versions. There's a French and a Spanish version, which we'll talk yeah. about, which... We'll get to the Spanish one on the Patreon, Um, because if you watch this like at home, if you have the Blu-ray, all you can watch is the French one. So we'll talk about the Oasis of the Zombies cut. But we will tell you that'll be a fun convo and you should join the Patreon because the movie is is very different. Um, I think a lot better. And it has Lena. So we'll just say it has Lena. And music. And the music. Yes. As I mentioned earlier, the music is much better. Um, Okay, so this movie is also known as Blood-Sucking Nazi Zombies, uh, Grave of the Living Deads. It's the the days of plurals. Which is weirdly the title they have in the Library of Congress. Hilarious that this movie is in the Library of Congress also. What? Yeah. It was probably because it was the only Jess film that was available, and they're like, well, I guess we got to put this Spanish pervert in there, so... Yeah, Pedro probably put it in there. He was like, guys, yes, you can have Time Me Up, Time Me Down, but only if you take my boy Jess's Oasis of the Zombies. <laughs> or sorry, what was the title in the library? Uh, Grave of the Living Deads. <laughs> yeah, so this is a this is a movie that uh yeah, yeah, we're back with uh old Marius Lasur, and <laughs> this is about a People that go looking for Nazi gold in an oasis filled with zombies. Yep. And, <laughs> and yeah, yeah, flashback yeah. footage to the war from other movies uh, oh, that are also not very good. Oh, um, it's so it's so funny how much that footage sticks out like a sore thumb uh, <laughs> in the middle of this movie. I will say this movie starts off better than I remembered it. Oh, it's a, the opening scene is fucking awesome. The opening is really great. It really only like halts hard when the college kids get involved. Oh my God. When this fucking Timothy Chalamet looking ass motherfucker (laughs) comes in. Oh my Lord. Does this movie just become something else entirely and not for the better. Uh, It's, it's a very, whereas the last one was schizophrenic in a pleasurable way. This is a schizophrenia that, is truly disorienting in a frustrating way. 
Yeah, because it doesn't move at all. The biggest problem is the pacing. Because I, I, I really like a lot of this movie. I like a lot of moments, but it is really lost in its own sauce as far as how it's put together, in a way that does not beg you to <laughs> give it a chance. Yeah, no, not at all. I mean, that slowness really could have worked for this movie. There's moments where it's zombies are cool. You take away that fucking kids who go traveling to find their dead father. That whole thing. This would be a pretty good time. I, I think you could have found more to appreciate with it because that slowness. This was what I found so frustrating this time is it was just like if if Jess just sometimes just focused on certain projects without thinking about the next one. Like if he would have really focused on this one, I think we would have had uh, a really shocking entry into the early 80s zombie madness. Like yep. this would be a contender, I think, with some of the better films. I don't, I don't mind the zombie makeup in this one. The funniest, oh, I love it. I love the it. funniest I is, of course, the the zombie they put on a stick. <laughs> yeah, the zombie head that's not a person, and you can see the stick. Uh, so that's a weird choice, but the I, zombie makeup is pretty cool. It's really not that much. Like I, you, of course, you would expect this, but you know, I love this genre, um, and I don't think. It's that much shittier than something like one of my favorites, like Bianchi's uh, fucking Burial Ground, uh, you know, or Zombie Holocaust or whatever. Um, it is better in those, but I don't think this is that much lower. And it again, I think it would be it would come across as fun and we'd have a good time if the shit surrounding it was different. Sure. I would say the 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 lack of detail varies from zombie to zombie. Some you see the uh yes, that's true. <laughs> you see the paper that was glued on coming off pretty clearly. But when it's cool, some of them like the eyes, there's a dude with these fucking whacked out eyes. Yeah. And that is I, a really haunting image. It just again, if it had been in this movie. If it had been used different, because when that scene came up, I started laughing my ass off. I was like, I forgot oh, about this. Cool. This, this googly-eyed zombie. Oh, I love it. Um, yeah, like this is yeah, I, this is truly one that you just like is very central to I think why we started this show, because it's like this is on the one hand something that could have been great and has a lot of attributes that if you have seen this movie and you've gone on this journey coming back to it you're gonna find i think a bit more to like but at the same time this is kind of what we're fighting against is people's impressions of just jeff from movie. just from this movie and are like well why would i want to spend time with a filmmaker who gives me a movie like this and no blame there i fully understand it like will and i have been there in our journey with this guy when we were a lot younger so I get it, but this is also why, you know, these made uh, over 180 movies. So you just have to go to one and then the other. So now, um, the last thing I want to say that is pleasurable, if you're watching in order, the dunes that are used uh, to astonishing effect and Macumba sexual are also used in this. Um, unlike Macumba, where the dunes are very much a real character and add a lot to that movie. In this, it's a nice moment of reprieve where you're like, well, that's pretty still. <laughs> yeah, and they contain the place that you were looking for the whole time. Like, there's a scene where they're like, where is this oasis? 
All they had to do is climb the nearest sand dune right next to them. Yeah, it was like oh. next door, essentially. Yeah, it's right there. It's you could probably see the trees if you look, <laughs> but there it is. <laughs> Maybe he's saying something about the institutions of colleges at that point because these college kids are pretty dumb. Pretty fucking dumb. They're pretty dumb. Uh, the movie does come together a little bit, I guess. At the end, it becomes a zombie movie. The other thing is, yeah, there's not a lot of zombiness in this movie. Yeah, not for a while. But yeah, like the last fifteen or so. Uh, if you really dig this genre, you'll really dig the last fifteen. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. It, it just becomes fun, and you kind of think like, yeah, a, a little more of that would have at least helped this. Yes. Log go down a little smoother, but. Again, that's why it's frustrating because you're like, Jess, we know you do have this in you. You just didn't want to. And I guess one thing we're saying that we should mention, Jess hated this genre deeply and said really mean things about the people who made them. Uh, and especially he uh, maintained, even though, as we know, Jess was very insecure and it was, I think, a lot of self-defense and I don't, I don't imagine he actually meant this. We're not going to read the quote, but he hated George Romero and hated zombies. Said it was the stupidest subject for a movie. And went on to say some really dumbass, smooth brain stuff about George Romero's movies, which is just wrong. And I bet he didn't think that. Jess just didn't like when anyone else was doing better than him while he couldn't get money. <laughs> Considering Romero's movies, Hollow is so funny. It's like, buddy, oh. <laughs> yeah, sorry, Jess, my dude. We are on your side, man, but we all know, including you, you're full of shit on that one. Yeah, I mean, it is weird and puzzling why he felt the zombie genre was completely like out of his ability or like he couldn't do anything with it with his own certain like predilections and themes. It's like, buddy, like, if you honestly, this is a time where he could have shut down some other productions and said, let me think for a little bit. Hell no. Oh, yeah. Actually, I could take my ideas of like sexual desire and probably very well attribute this to zombies, but I'm not going to. And instead, I'm going to bag on George Romero. Uh, hey, whatever. Who gives a shit? It's all fun and games for these guys. You know, they're. You know, it's it's tough. It's I mean, obviously, Jess is like needs the money at this time. So, you know, he's he always did because he was one of those kind of artists that was just constantly pumping it all back into the next thing. So he never had any money because they didn't take breaks. They didn't go on vacations. They just kept making movies. So that's right. The juice is the action. That's right. I mean, again, we're in, in the territory now where he made 12 movies in one year. So. Let me hear hey. any of y'all motherfuckers pull that out, and especially as many heaters. Absolutely. Also, 1981, he's still cooking. And he's cooking so hard that for Golden Films, he decides to not even take credit directing his next one, which, yeah, this is a Jess Franco movie. It, it was confirmed it, by Antonio. Mines. Yes, Antonio confirmed it and said, like, yes, this was probably a gift that Jess gave to his beautiful life partner, lover, uh, Lena Romay, a.k.a. Candy Coster. So Candy Coster, technically, in this one, serves as the moniker for two people. <laughs> it's And what's even more fun with this movie. Uh, or wait, sorry, never mind. Go ahead. Okay. No, I'm trying. I'm trying to get better. I'm condensing. Oh, okay. I was like, right, go ahead, but oh no, no, no. 
Okay. Oh. All right. <laughs> yes. I'm trying to do better. <laughs> okay. All right. Good. All right. So this one is called Confessions or Intimate Confessions of an Exhibitionist. And couldn't feel more like it is truly a fantasy directly from Lena's brain executed by Jess. And that really gives this one a, a quite an air that I think is cool as shit. Yeah, I was really glad to revisit this one because I, I feel like I had kind of underestimated it. Uh, it it's, it's, this is not major Jess, but there, there's a lot of charms uh, to it be had. It doesn't quite coalesce fully, but... It really does. Um, it really does do something special with the world of you know mel- melancholy mixed with these uh, really long drawn out. I think in a good way, but sex scenes. Um, yeah, it's it's definitely is very special. It's definitely hitting on Diary of a Nymphomaniac sort of vibes here. Again, I, I think this one would really connect um, if it was uh, restored. But absolutely, some really amazing stuff. And we're still with Juan Soler, by the way, the the only cinematographer that Jess himself would take the time out of his day to say he loved working with him. He loved his lighting. They understood each other. So Juan Soler is one of the few that some like more often than others, Jess would let him run the camera because he was like, you're going to do exactly what I would do because you get it. Yeah. So, you know, they truly work together. And this one would be very gorgeous if it were restored. Yeah, this is a this is a movie about Lena starting the film kind of how she did her Ellis Fontu, kind of like describing to the camera with her pussy, uh, hello, I'm rubbing my pussy and I love sex. You know, shit like that, whatever. And it's over the course of this movie, though, it reveals itself to be less of those softcore sex romps, like we'll say, and kind of a downbeat uh, thing, because without spoiling it, boy, certain scene really reminded me of the strongest scene and she killed an ecstasy. Yep, absolutely. Again, that nightclub shows up. Oh, oh boy, does that nightclub show up this time? It's half the this movie. One, this one's so great too because as you're watching, like John said, the way it starts, you think you know what we're doing, and you might be like, "All right, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna get through it." Watching this, and then all of a sudden, you realize it is a movie about uh, the crippling loneliness of people who cannot find companionship solely through pleasure and through sex, and that's the only way they know how to do it. And so it's it like it sounds, you know, like I'm putting too much on it, but I really feel that that's what, what this movie's about. Uh, because it's just Lena going from person to person, whether it's her therapist who turns out to be a gay man, or it's this woman that she really loves deeply, and that goes wrong. I won't spoil it. Um, but yeah, it culminates in a sequence, like you said, that is really harrowing and really tragic and made me cry this time and it's not if we said what the scene was you'd think we were just trolling because it sounds so silly and just trying to be shocking but it really is full of a lot of pain for someone who doesn't know how to try to connect with the world through anything except fuck yeah it's sad (laughs) it's really sad and it's it's beautiful and that's why i think this again we don't know but i really i really do feel that lena maybe came up with a lot of this one and then Jess was like, yeah, that's sick. Let's do it. I love that ending. Cause he's talked about often that very many times they would come up with a scene 
and then just say, cool, that's sick. Let's just start shooting a movie around it. And yeah. the scene we're talking about feels like one of those. So I suspect maybe Lena came up with that. And then Jess was like, that was such a good idea. This one's directed by you, <laughs> by Candy. Yeah. Cast. yeah. I mean, he might as well have at this point. Like I so said, like Lena has been a close collaborator with him. Oh, yeah. Pretty hard. Well, all are, like Mayans is as well. Like Vernon yeah. is as well. Well, anyone who's still around at this point, they're all collaborating on these movies, you know. But like, Lena's there for every moment of this. Every moment of every movie. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. she's with Jess with, with, during the inception. I mean, all of it. So, you know, I think it's it's apt if he wants to credit her as the director behind this movie. It's like, yeah, you know, it makes it makes sense. Um, Elisa, Elisa Vela also just want to mention she's great in this movie. Yeah. Um, who plays the woman she's in love with. Uh, really, really kind of too strong of a performance. That's why it hurts so much. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, for both of them. Um, we get that location as well from She Killed an Ecstasy and Countess Perverse again. We get a little oh, more. Oh, yeah, yeah. Finally drive home the yep. She Killed an Ecstasy comparisons. Yeah. No, yep. You get that. You get that again. And then the only, I guess, a trigger warning if you don't like people masturbating with milk, <laughs> steer clear. <laughs> and guess what? I don't. That's <laughs> oh, I was dying waiting for you to watch this. Like, I knew you'd seen it, but I was like, I bet he forgot about the. I did. It was revolting. <laughs> That's disgusting. The, inf- oh, that- the yeast infection you're looking at there is got to be painful. I mean, sure, but no one was worried about what was to come because in that moment, Lena's just feeling it, and that's all I need. <laughs> Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, maybe that's why, you know, it, who knows the timeline in which these were shot, but maybe by the time he got uh, the inconfessible orgies of Emmanuel, her pussy had gotten completely infected by this non-pasteurized milk and... Well, it, and it, oranges, because she sticks oranges. oranges. Yeah. Too. So it's really... Like the acidity of citrus is not... Oh, wait, no, that's in House of Lost Women. Sorry, I jumped ahead. Yeah, well, she's really putting too much in her pussy. <laughs> Lena really is like nah trust me let's try it with this we got statues we got artifacts we got fruit we got milk we got cigarettes I've got an Oscar a fake Oscar even an Oscar yeah in this one her she does smoke a cigarette with her vagina and as all of you know as a passionate cigarette smoker thank you so much Lena that is a scene for the for the ages hey (laughs) You said it. I thought I'd seen a pussy smoke before. (laughs) Yeah, if you saw, if you watched um, the scene with the smoke and Night of Open Sex and were understandably bummed out by it, in this one, Lena says, I'm going to do a nice thing with a cigarette for all of you since you got through that. That's right. Yeah, that's good. He's smoking right now. That's great. Helps Um, me do this. Thinks he's fucking Bogart over there. Yes, that's how I think about myself. It's Humphrey Bogart. <laughs> you know who thought themselves as Humphrey Bogart? Antonio Mayans. That's and right. the last film we are going to talk about today, he is going to be really feeling his bogey. And we're going to be talking about the second masterpiece of the day, if you ask me. I would agree. And this one is probably less talked about than Macumba Sexual, but it is his... <laughs> yeah. This is first film of 1982, and it is called Black Boots, Leather Whip. He is Incredible still a great title. Um, he's still with Golden Films, 
And Antonio Mayans, aka Robert Foster, Jesus Christ, is is back. And he's got two names almost like he was credited. Yes, he's Antonio Mayans and Robert Foster at the same time, but he's also Al Pierre Pereira and Al Crosby at the same time. There's even a fun little joke in the movie. Yeah, there's a fun little joke where it's like, who are you? He's like, I guess I'm Al Crosby. Or or he's like, I think I'm Al Pereira. I can't really keep up anymore, but I guess that's me. Because she asked him, are you Al Pereira? I guess so. Can't really keep up anymore. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. um, Yeah, and I think that's a great way to look at this movie because I do think this is, in my opinion, Jess's strongest crime film. Absolutely. Next to Lace of Braun Lace. Yeah. He really put some care into the composition of this film. And the action. The action is good. The action is good. (laughs) I'm going to be honest. I'm kind of surprised that like Thrower finds that there's no action or suspense here. Like, I disagree. I think it moves really well. It does too. It's different than you're accustomed to with action and suspense. It's a very different way of doing it. But the central scene where that whip is being used. I'm going to have to say there's tension there. Uh, there is, and it is without a doubt my favorite torture sequence in his entire filmography. It is it is just I won't I won't spoil it, I promise. Well, but before we get to that scene. Yeah, before we yeah. get to that scene, where are we here with Al? Al's you know, he's driving around drinking, he's in his hor- he's in a very depressive state. So much he's quit calling himself Al Crosby. And now he's Al Pereira. <laughs> Al Pereira. Uh, he's mistreating his like living girlfriend to like fast bendery extremes. That's a perfect and apt comparison here. Yeah, this uh-huh. feels like the way Fastbender treats people and like fucking Fox and his friends. <laughs> yeah. Call me crazy, but you could almost see like Fastbender at this point in his life making a crime film very similar. Absolutely. To this movie. And I don't think we're putting too much smoke up that pussy there. I think what we're doing is we're highlighting that this is a film that I think it's probably because of its title, maybe looked as like, oh, this is some kitschy whipping stuff. And yeah, there's that. There's still the jest, the hazy, funny jest. But this is, I mean, he's really like in many ways trying to like pull apart his conception of the film noir crime film. There's okay, there's almost a meta quality to the film about crime films in general. Lena's character is named Lena in the movie. She yes. was a sex worker who works at a bar called the Whip of Leather, which signed my ass up for that oh, yeah. bar anytime. And the last piece of confusion in the credits for this movie, it says it's co-written by Jess Franco and Clifford Brown. Clifford Brown is one of Jess Franco's pseudonyms for himself. So right. Jess and Jess wrote this movie. <laughs> Which only adds to this like idea of a mirror reflecting into each yeah. other. And I think I think that's all very much on purpose. Like you said, I think I think him and Lena and Antonio were sitting down talking about their crime films and shit and came up with an idea to yeah, hold up that mirror. Yeah. Um yeah, I mean Al's helping Lena figure out something. That's really all you need to know for this yeah, movie. Lena, Lena sends Al on a mission, and uh, this Al's is not very this smart. Is, He's not very Al's, smart. Al is stupid and just horrible and gross. He's not attractive in this one, which is fine as well. But he's he's clever when he needs to be. 
He is an abject human. He's completely not the way uh, he was portrayed by Franco in downtown. Guy is sleazy, amoral. He's just a shitty dude who is put into the position of, I'm your protagonist, essentially. And now you have to you have to solve this crime alongside me being a piece of shit. Don't worry though. Well, I won't say anything, but won't spoil the ending because it's so good. And it's Indian is amazing. Let's just say in the realm of film noir, or I guess you'd have to say neo-noir at this point, whatever in Mm -hmm. the realm of this film they're making, this is one of the more, more clever and fun uses of a femme fatale jumping off point for Lena as well. There are scenes in this movie that are just so fucking striking to look at. Um, obviously, I'll highlight the one scene that is probably the most striking shot of Jess's, especially this period, uh, is the scene that takes place in the hallway with the light coming through the blinds. That really reminded me of the excellent camera work in a, like a movie like The Fifth Chord. Yes, absolutely. It's a, it's that Juan Soler lighting again. Him and Jess just work so well together. Yeah. Yeah, you can no, tell yeah. like Jess is like, all right, let's shoot it. And Juan's like, give me three minutes, my dude. Watch this. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yep. Um, yeah, uh, Antonio shaves his face. So you get to see oh. clean cut Antonio and you'll be seeing clean cut Antonio. Yes, yes. And this shaving wow. scene is really funny. It's really good. Um, and tr- a, th- a thing also that Jess does not do often. And again, why this one's so interesting and how well thought out it clearly was. He, does, he There's foreshadowing in this movie, and that is not a Jess common thing at all. And the, the way he does the foreshadowing is with some incredible filmmaking because with nature interstitials. Yeah. We have beautiful shots of water and trees and birds throughout this film, but they are foreshadowing where we're headed. And it's pretty amazing. <laughs> Like it's pretty, it's pretty, you know, like masterclass stuff, the way they use those interstitials to, again, keep this movie moving. And again, why we disagree with Thrower on this, this movie has action and it has pacing and it, it keeps, it keeps going. There's a propulsion to this that you might be tricked at this point into thinking this film won't have. Yeah. Because of what you might be accustomed to of his style of doing these crime movies. I mean, this is, that's why I say this is his greatest. I think Will agrees with me on that. Um, yeah, I mean, this is a perfect companion piece to the mood of Lace Braun Lace. So obviously that means. Oh, go ahead. No, I'm just saying, obviously that means it gets the highest recommendation from all. Oh, this is, yeah, this is absolutely one of the best. Um, and we. And we convince anyone who's, yeah, like I said, could be uh, like me. I don't know about these crime movies. You see this one and you're like, never mind. I get it. And yeah. I'm honestly wanting to rewatch some of the other crime ones now, now that I've watched this one, just mm-hmm. to kind of see how they uh, how they could talk to each other and see that development of Jess getting to this point. Because like what he got to with Makumba and this, you know, he's reaching heights that at this point in his career, he'd been really climbing towards with certain movies, obviously. <laughs> He wasn't misstepping on his way to Makumba Sexual. All the movies that tie into that are all masterpieces. But with the crime film, yeah, I know you kind of look at it as like he's just been experimenting with the genre where he knew what in his bones to do with the erotic horror movies. 
I felt like he never knew exactly what he wanted out of these crime films. And I think he achieves what he's always wanted to do with this movie. Yeah, uh, completely agree. And we get, um, I won't spoil the scene, of course, but we also get one of my favorite, um, one of my favorite Lena performances as far as tenderness and sadness in this. And it makes sense that Confessions came right before it. But there's a sequence with her and a woman that she's seeing in this film who's named Bruda, uh, which is just the sickest name. But mm-hmm. they have it, they have a scene together. Their final scene together is very touching and very heavy. And it it really adds a weight to again what you think might be a silly crime movie that really isn't at all. It's really lovely. And we and a one more rare jazz thing, we are finally gifted with a really hot dude named Paquito in this movie. We rarely get like really hot men in jazz movies. And that boy is gorgeous in this film. So you also, you know, outside of all the incredible filmmaking we're talking about, this movie is just fun to look at if you like gorgeous people. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's some good looking people in this one. Good looking people. Uh-huh. Well, I think that's a good way to end this episode. Great way. This, this film really highlights you touched on it. One of the things so magic about Jess is that not only is he constantly revisiting things, but it is with a purpose because he is continually trying to one up himself in all the different genres that he plays within. Yep. And, and when he nails it, the shit is on fire. Yeah. I mean, his time with golden films is going to produce uh, a lot of magic because they let, they kind of cleared out of his way and Jess was able to, to be Jess and, you know, he's not working with the biggest budgets like always, but the fact that he didn't have Marius the Sir or any of these fuckers like constantly leering over his shoulder, uh, you can feel it. I mean, Makumba is the perfect way to to show that off. That's a man. I mean, when you think of Franco, you think of freedom. You think of a filmmaker who said, fuck it, I'm going to do exactly what I want. Not like some of these people that say that, and it's just an incoherent mess, mm-hmm. which is most of you all. This <laughs> this is a guy who has done, you know, you can't break rules until you learn. That's the often said thing. And you look at everything he did, you know, 20 years before this, that's a man clearly learning the rules of cinema. Over time, throughout the 70s, he starts to break them, and he gets better and better at it, and then... It's 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 what you want this whole time is to watch this guy just completely let go of what you think a movie should and can do. All right. To just highlight where we're going. One scene in Macumba Sexual that we didn't talk about is how Lena travels to this mystical world that may exist in reality. It may exist between space and time. And that is done through the most simple means possible, which is if you don't have any money and you have creativity and an inherent understanding in your bones of the dream world of movies, then you can pull this off. And I guess we won't spoil it, but how Lena goes from there, what she sees and the cut that gets her there, you know, it reminds me of the Countess Perverse stuff, the Shining Sex Journey. It's it's somehow even more magical than those. So, because what what he did, because it literally they went outside and saw something happening in this town they were in, 
And Jess was like, quick, give me the camera and just shot a thing that people who actually lived there were doing and then used it as an editing technique to transport Lena to this world. And it is fucking incredible. Yeah. I mean, it's, you you know, you blink and miss it sort of thing. And I think that's to the point of the movie. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's like a dream. If you're watching a normal, like a normal movie, you would think, oh yeah, cool. They set all this shit up. Great. Awesome. That is not the case. They took, they took advantage of where they were and just kept their fucking eyes open. And we're like, cool, we're going to pull off something that would have cost like $200,000 at the very least at that point to set up and do, but instead it was free because they just had their eyes open. (laughs) And it's better because all these fuckers spend all this money to create dream worlds and all this shit. Just no one dreams like that. This is uh, you. It's 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 getting so far from what the idea of when we enter this state. And Jess knows that. Yeah, you and someone like Lynch, they know you don't need to do much as long as you have the will to commit to it. And, and you understand the minutia that makes the dream world so fascinating and confusing and discombobulating is all it takes is one tiny thing that is different from what you expect the world to be. And your brain starts going there. You know, <laughs> he's probably not sleeping either. I feel like this guy, oh, he's, he's constantly hallucinating. He, that's why he didn't <laughs> need drugs. He's just like, I'm, yeah. I'm like always in a <laughs> state of mind. So yeah. He's like, I haven't been on Earth since 1968, man. I don't know what y'all are doing. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, next, next, uh, next time on the show, and we may have a special guest uh, if things line up, but we're just a couple of the ones we're going to be running through because, again, we are in fucking heat territory here. We're going to be hitting shit like. Just give uh, give them two. Let's see. I'll just say. House of Lost Women and Mansion of the Living Dead. We're going to be hitting next week amongst mm-hmm. some other friends as well. Yeah. And this will be, in my opinion, this is going to be one of the most fun and strongest episodes with this next round of stuff. Oh, a lot to say. lot to say about some of these. So, yeah, we're. Uh, I hope you all enjoy the shorter amount of Franco. If you don't, well, sorry, but this is the model. For us. Because we it's enjoy it now. It's great. It's good to be back to this enthusiasm. Just care about us. I know you want more, but just care about your friends here who are, you know, we're 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 trying to make a lot of stuff happen and we can't. I, I we just cannot watch, you know, 15 guest movies a week. Yeah, we just can't do it anymore. So um and hopefully this for your benefit too. And yeah. like you said, we got a lot coming. So since we didn't at the top. Um, on November 17th, we'll be doing Man Show Living Dead at uh, Dante's Pizzeria here in Chicago. And then on November 28th, Tuesday, November 28th, uh, we will be partnering up with our friend Ramona Slick for an incredible show where we'll be showing Practical Magic. Then there will be a world-ending performance from Ramona and friends ahead of... And friends, Maybe some friends you know from the show, and maybe some friends you know from the twenty tabs open on your uh, <laughs> yeah on your you browser. What, what could that mean? Ooh, I guess you perverts better show up and find out. <laughs> and uh, of course, 
Our bud, Matt Harding, will be there repping seven films. Lots of Franco shit for sale. There may be a really special treat. We'll see if it comes in time. But let's say there may be a photo opportunity that all of you are going to want to take advantage of. And then uh, on December 12th, is that it? 10th. Wait. 10th? 12th. December 10th is our show in Wisconsin at the X-Ray Arcade. Where we'll be showing Faceless. Uh, If you don't know the X-Ray Arcade, it's a legendary uh, punk club um, out there that has definitely kept a lot of Midwest kids from losing their minds being trapped in small Christian places. So That's right. If you need a little muscle plug to get you out of your small town. Uh, I, I'm glad we'll be we'll almost overlap with mustard plug. It'd be cool. Are you serious? If, almost. I was hoping oh. pickle would be there too, but you know, Don't, I know you're you're kidding around a little, but man, would would my 12 year old self be set ablaze if I knew I was in the same space as mustard plug? Oh wait, real quick, the tenth, just so people know. Uh, that is also acting as a fundraiser for the quickly ramping up Franco tour. So it's going to be a $5 suggested donation uh, to come watch Faceless with us. There'll also be a great pre-show with some amazing jazz shit in there. And we're going to talk, uh, we're going to get into it. We're going to talk about Franco proper uh, ahead of that show, talk about Faceless. And then, yeah, if you want to throw some money in the pot, help us keep going on tour. And then on the 12th, Oh, on, and then on the 12th, <laughs> uh, we have a show not involving Jess. Sorry, but we are closing out, hopefully not forever, but maybe for a little while, our our long-running series, Highs and Lows, with a double feature that it couldn't be more apt for possibly going away forever. And that, and it's not going away forever. We've Doomcaster before. We'll be back. Getting our bags secured and it'll come back and then we can choose what literally whatever we want to do doubles. So that's why we decided to do just that with this next one. And that is going to be Tom Green's Freddie Got Fingered alongside Lars von Trier's Dogma 2, The Idiots. Yep. We're and very excited for that one. Trailer's coming soon. But... Yep. But before that, all we want to say really is we got it wrong on stage twice yesterday with Ramona. But um, November 28th, just keep in mind, man, Pyrrhus Lesbos. Tuesday, November 28th. (laughs) And that is going to be a big kickoff for all this Franco stuff. It's going to be a wild show. Um, So... Please, if you're a Franco head, uh, as you saw at the Bloody Moon show... Uh, Severn also be coming through with some uh, long, unavailable Franco treats that you can scoop up um, that have that have been uh, rolled back out specifically for this Franco mania stuff. So come support, buy some shit. What is that? Do I hear you? Say, you all are saying you want a Vampiros Lesbos T-shirt. Well, maybe your dreams will come true. Hmm. Maybe, maybe a specific one made just for that. Maybe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if you might have the chance to go home with one of those. Yes. All right. So make sure you wear, if you're uh, a penis person, you've got a penis, <laughs> uh, you know, wear a nice pair of pants that you can really stick that boner up into the waistline. That's and- that's barely a joke. This is going to be a very uh, sexually charged evening. So yeah, make sure you can, you can hide your shame. <laughs> yeah. If you're one of those pussy having motherfuckers, you are in luck. 
this is the show for you. Well, but you might, you don't want to be slipping out of those seats either. So that's true. <laughs> maybe, two, maybe two pairs of undies. <laughs> this is, uh, we're hitting links of uh, perverse depravity on stage that are going to be, uh, well, let's just say we will be doing the waste trick because we will be on stage. <laughs> yeah. And just, you know, look, if you thought Ramona's performance at Bride of Chucky was uh, charged and maybe one of the craziest things you've ever seen on the music box stage, Ramona says, mm, you'll see. <laughs> yeah, this is uh, it's going to be sweaty in there. And we'll get you very much in the zone for Vampiros Lesbos. All right. I think we we should go. But... We got a bunch more shows to announce soon. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, hit us up if you want to show Franco with us. Um in our click our link tree shit, our emails in there. We have we're finally starting to use it. We have an Oscar bait email, so we stopped just using our personal email addresses for everything. So hit us up on there, Instagram, whatever. We love y'all. The Franco Files will continue to march on. <laughs>